are invited to celebrate with Amy. Join the party as we gather creative tips and fun tricks for your next event. Come on in, grab a glass, and let's celebrate. Hey, hey, party people. Thank you for joining me on episode seven of Celebrate with Amy. I'm your host, Amy Hernandez, owner of Immersive Events. In this episode, we're not going to be talking about celebrating a birthday or other special occasion, but something else that's super special that many of us don't really talk about casually. And that's how we celebrate and or honor someone we've lost in our lives. What does this even mean? What does it mean to celebrate someone who's no longer physically with us? It's a question that I ask myself. Why do we use the word celebrate? I know it's different for everyone. Some don't even like the word celebrate and prefer the word honor. For me, they're two different words, and I've done both for my family and friends that I've lost. During the funeral and memorial, I think it is important to celebrate the life they lived, the love they provided, the talents they shared with the world during their time here, and that they're in heaven parting it up with the Lord, right? But after that, throughout the rest of our lives, it's as equally as important to honor them in your life in so many different ways depending on who it is. I continuously honor my lost loved ones by instilling some of their characteristics into my life. And honestly, losing people is the reason why I live my life the way I do. It's the reason why I celebrate my birthdays and anniversaries so big and celebrate the little wins in life. It's because I know life is too short. Because losing someone and grieving is so freaking hard. It's such an uncomfortable topic. And it's even more uncomfortable depending on your relationship with the person you've lost. For me personally, grief has been something I've struggled with. When I was 17, losing my first close friend, Steven. Then again, when I was 21, when I lost one of my closest homegirls, Candace, a month before we were supposed to go on a trip together. And then again, when I lost my Lola and more people in my life as the years went by. I realized that I never talked about my grieving process because I'm so quick to try to push my real feelings aside since I get so confused. You know, when I grieve, I'm angry, I'm sad, lost, hurt, all of the frickin' above, but I also try to be at peace because of God all at the same time. And because I get so confused in all these different emotions, I think I just end up being so numb to it all and I let myself move on with life as quickly as possible. Again, everyone's different, and there's no judgment here. But in this episode, I wanted to take the time to pause, talk about grief, and what it means to celebrate and honor someone you love. So a really close friend of mine that I absolutely love and respect, Erica Simangan, lost her husband, Ryman Simangan, very suddenly last year on May 6, 2019. Erica will be taking us through her grieving process how she honors Ryman with her two daughters, and what she's learned this past year. This is definitely not an easy topic to talk about. So I'm super grateful that Erica's opening up to us, opening up her heart, and I hope that you listen in with an open mind and open heart. This episode is a special one dedicated to Ryman, but even if it's very specific to him, I hope that together we can honor everyone that we've lost and will always love. Now, let's meet Erica. All right. Thank you so much, Amy, for hitting me up about this. I really love this. 
Um, so my name is Erica. I'm 32 years old. I graduated with my bachelor's in nursing. And even though I'm done with school, I still consider myself a forever learner. I just like being in the know of things and also kind of being one of those people like, oh, I know what you're talking about. Um, but anyway, I have two daughters, Zoe and Aria. They are eight and five. Um, I have a dog and I am a widow, a really tough title to carry. As you know, it's for, this episode is for Ryman and he's um, my ex. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm oh just my I'm God. not going to say my ex. Stop. <laughs> but my late husband. And if you guys know me, you guys are laughing with me on that. If not, just continue on. Um, so he passed last May and it was super unexpected. Um, healthy dude, overall, nothing out of the ordinary. So it was really hurtful to like hear it happen and so disheartening. His birthday was on the 29th of April. He had just turned 40 and a week later he passed away at work. So having to deal with those emotions one week apart from each other, like the celebration of his birthday and then the celebration of life, right? In those two senses are like really crazy to think about because nobody should have to deal with that. Yeah, and I wanted to note that we're recording this two days after his one year. And yeah. so this is why we wanted to do this special. Yeah. So Erica, tell us how you and Ryman met and what your love story is. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, geez. All right. So our love story origin, right? Um, <laughs> it actually started in San Francisco. So there was this like, it was like a music lounge called Mighty SF. And J-Rock was performing and I was with my homies, Janelle, you know, Janelle. Mm -hmm. And then some of our other friends, we went out to go see J-Rock, you know, just having a good time. It's typical Friday night. We stepped outside, Janelle and I stepped outside because it was getting stuffy. Then I was already at this point, like in a haze because, you know, drinks and things like that. So <laughs> I wanted to sit down. <laughs> so I wanted to sit down. So I turn around and there's this open seat. I didn't even really pay attention to who was around it, but I was like, oh, an open seat. Okay, cool. So I walk up and there's this guy, Ryman, and I say, hey, uh, can I sit here? He's like, oh, yeah, it's cool. Uh, cool shirt, you know, and it was like this hella hip hop shirt and it had like Erica Badu's name on it, Lauren Hill, Aretha Franklin, you know, it, it was by a company called True. So I was like, oh, thanks. Thanks for noticing. And so I sat down and we started talking. I honestly wish I could remember that conversation because I 1000% do not remember anything. I don't even know if he was funny, but actually I kind of do know he was funny because when I introduced myself and said my name, I was like, oh, I'm Erica. And he was like, America? And I was like, no, I'm Erica. Like my name is Erica. And he was like, oh, oh, cool. That's like literally <laughs> the only thing I remember from that conversation. So I was like, all right, whatever. So by the end of the night, we are heading home and then I get this notification on my phone. And this was when Facebook was, you know, kind of first, this was like 2010. And I look at my phone, I'm like, who is this adding me? I showed Janelle and she was like, I think that's that guy you were sitting next to. Damn, that was fast. How? I know, and creepy. And so anyway, I, I was like, oh my God, I think I know him. Or like, he knows two people that I know. And I was like, oh gosh, I can't talk to him because he knew a lot of people from SAC, which in the Filipino community in Sacramento, it's very small and everybody kind of knows each other. And I wasn't really my best self. I just didn't want to be tied to that. 
fast forward three months out, he hits me up and was like, Hey, I'm doing this listening party for DeLorean, which is his cousin and his homies music group. And I had seen earlier that week that he had gone like on a on tour with them. So in my mind, right, I'm like, Oh, that's really cool. And he made it sound he hella made it sound like he was a part of it, Amy. Like he made it sound like he was a rapper or a producer. He wasn't any of it. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. So we get to the listening party. And by the end of that night, it was just me and him from then on. Aww. We just started heading towards the direction of a relationship, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he would ask me all the time, like two weeks later, he asked me to be his girlfriend. And I said, no, because I was kind of dating still. Oh. So I was like, no, you know, no. And then a couple weeks again, he asked me and they'll know. But then Dang, we ended Erica, up moving. Dang, hard to get. <laughs> I mean, because like, I, I just, and I was straightforward with him too. I told yeah. him, like, I'm kind of like seeing other people and I don't know if I can give you that exclusiveness that you want. But he was cool with it. He just acted super like, oh, no, that's good. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> so what made you finally be like, all right, I can be exclusive with him? It was like after New Year's and he was just like, I'm trying to be serious. He was like, I'm not trying to play no games. Like, I'm ready to just be in this with you. So if you're down, like, let's just do it. And I was like, all right, I feel that. I was pretty much sober at that time. Like, I was like, <laughs> I was just like in a really bad place, Amy. I was oh, just boy. not a good person. Like, I was always <laughs> on, you know, just all kinds of stuff so mm-hmm. after having a clear mind and thinking about it it's like you know like he's a really good dude his heart is there like he really likes me <laughs> so, <laughs> that's really fair um oh my so, gosh. so yeah so then I ended up moved like 2011 I moved in with him then we got pregnant a month later then eight months later we got married nine fast <laughs> Yeah. And then after that, we had Zoe. So all within 2011, we moved in, we got pregnant, and we got married. This from the girl who didn't want to be exclusive, (laughs) y'all. She said, nah, I'm all in. Get me in. It's like all or nothing. You know what I mean? I know. Seriously. We're either not going to be dating or you're giving me a baby (laughs) house. A car you know, and a ring. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that that was kind of long, but that's pretty much the essence of it. You know, like 2011 just changed both of our lives. And then, what year did you have Arya? 2014. Yeah. So we were trying after Zoe was born, maybe when she was around two, we tried again. So it was like 2013. But then I miscarried. So then that was like really tough. And then my body just wasn't taking that anymore. And then a couple months later, then we had Aria. I loved seeing Ryman and Erica all the time. They're just a funny ass couple. They're such a dope couple and definitely one of those couples to just look up to and adore. Especially their two little baby girls. <laughs> I know. They're so, they're the best. So, I mean, fast forward. How did you feel when you heard the news? Um, How did it change throughout the year? And how are you feeling now? Yeah, so just as um, everything kind of happened super fast with us in the beginning, I feel like we got married and did all those big life changes so quickly. You know, losing him just as fast was just so crazy to me. When I heard, it was his boss that called me first through the phone and then his good friend, uh, Satapana, he messaged me and got in contact with me and I was just like, what the hell? You know, what the heck? Am I, I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss on here, but... Um, free to say whatever you please, girl. Well then, no, I'm just kidding. Um, my initial reaction was just like shock. You know, I was at Tower Cafe with Aria 
And I had literally just talked to him half an hour earlier. And I was like trying to bring him food and, you know, as a peace offering, because we actually argued, you know, a little bit that morning because I wanted him to go into the hospital already. But yeah, so, you know, it was my peace offering, like, hey, I'm going to bring you to our cafe. And he was just like, no, I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to leave early for my appointment that you wanted me to schedule. Half an hour later, he called in, like his boss called and I was just like in shock. I, I couldn't even believe it. And I'm sitting at the restaurant, you know, like we are in the middle, like where our seat was. It's like a movie. We were sitting in the middle of the restaurant and everybody was just moving around us. And I like raised my, I remember raising my hand and I'm like, oh, can I get the check please? You know, and she's like, oh, would you like a box for your food? Cause I didn't touch any of it yet. We had just gotten our food. Yeah. And I was like, oh, um, yeah, let me get a box. I'll probably eat it later. <laughs> what, who, what? You know, so I, we rushed out and as soon as I got in my car, it was 1.08 PM. And as soon as I saw that eight, I was like, I connected it as like, we were married for eight years. It was going to be eight years that year. Zoe was only eight years old, you know, and I was just like, ah, that's, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, throughout the year, obviously it, I don't know. It's so hard to say that the pain like was less because I don't think this type of loss or any type of loss can ever be labeled in time. Mm -hmm. You know, like sometimes people are like, time will heal, time will make things better, you know, just give it time. And honestly, it's like, that is such a just a cliche thing to say. But I think it's also because people don't know what to say. Yeah. Because as a society, we're not taught to deal with grief, let alone any of our feelings besides positivity. Mm -hmm. Right. Besides the silver lining of things that always is what is the answer. Yeah. So it, it's tough. I had my hard days and that's when I would write my posts and the even harder days I would journal, which I found that my handwriting is really, really terrible. So I stopped journaling on <laughs> oh paper and I was like, and a Google doc is now going to appear. <laughs> so now it's like ha I had to rewrite all of my um, journal paper journals into this Google doc, which I titled year one. And then now, obviously, with his one year just finishing up, I'm at a loss for words sometimes, you know, like I'm really good on words when I can write it out and I really think about it. But if, you know, just right now asking me on a whim like this, I'm like, I don't know how to feel except for that this sucks. And though I wish that things could be different and I wish and wish and wish, the reality of it is this is my reality, you know, and, and I need to not only for the girls, which is what a lot of people were telling me to do, like, be strong for your kids, be strong for his family, be strong for this, this and that. And I'm like, not once did I hear somebody say, like, be strong for yourself. That to me is super important. The self-care aspect of this past year has been so important to me. I mean, it, it's such a buzzy word, right? Like self-care and boundaries and all these things. But it's like, when you look at the definition of it and the essence of it is like, you know, I had to take care of myself because at the end of the day, nobody was going to do it for me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's just, even if Ryan was alive, it's still, nobody would have done that for me. That we have a responsibility to ourselves to take care of ourselves. Exactly. I think that it was interesting that you mentioned how you reacted when you first heard the news. You know, when my mom lost her mom, uh, yeah. I think 2014 or 2015, my mom, my dad, and my brother went to Guam to pick up my Lola to bring her back to California. And that was the whole idea. We got her room ready. Uh, they were traveling there to get her to come back and all that stuff. They landed. They didn't even get to see her. And yeah. her family members called my mom and was like, your mom's gone. And so this whole trip that was supposed yeah. to be for getting my Lola back 
ended up being me and my sister going to the Philippines with them to bury her. But the thing is, my mom, when she yeah. reacted, she called and she just said it so casually. She was just like, hey, your Lola passed away. And I'm like, where are you? Are you okay? And she's like, I'm about to do laundry. And I was like, why are you about to do laundry? Like, shouldn't you go straight to the hospital? What? And mm -hmm. I started bawling, but I think it just didn't hit her because she was just shocked. And I think that's a reality for people's reactions. It's so crazy because you never expect yeah, it. Yeah, and that's what it is too. It's like, we all know that that time is going to come, you know, whether we're prepared for it or not, whether we've lived our best life or not. It doesn't matter, you know, how many selfies and how many different places that you've taken. It doesn't matter. You, you can lose your life at any point. So if you want to go and do that thing that you want to do, you better go and do it. You know what I mean? Because there's no point anymore in waiting. And I think that's kind of where my head has been at. Because a lot of people were like telling me about the stages of grief, which is by Kubler-Ross, maybe. I don't really know the name exact, but, you know, and that's what we were taught in nursing school. That's what I was talked to about in, you know, grief classes and grief therapy, you know, like, but really her stages of grief are targeted towards the people with chronic disease that already know that they're going to pass away. So I feel like the stages of grief when you lose someone isn't so much like anger, denial, bargaining, all those things. My stages were like, what the F? What happened? Why did this happen? What do I do now? You know, so that was kind of where I was in my stages, you know, and I've, I'm still in my what do I do now? Because it changes daily. It's so hard to even know and to navigate exactly what you're supposed to do. I feel that. So we were supposed to be in Hawaii this past weekend. And the whole idea was Erica was going yeah. to have this getaway. Oh, with us because it was so close to Ryman's mm -hmm. one year and in the midst of that we talked about celebrating the one year like what does that even mean and I know that you were talking about I don't like using yeah. the celebrate the one year death anniversary or whatever like yeah. what does that even mean and yeah after we lose someone we love we tend to honor our loss and celebrate the person's life but why do you think we say celebrate what did that mean for you celebrating Ryman's one year again that goes back to the bigger picture of the society of not being able to sit in our feelings and not being able to really express it because it's not something that we've learned. We don't learn in school how to deal with grief loss. We don't learn in school growing up how to deal with our feelings or how to effectively communicate with somebody if we're hurt or feeling anything else other than happiness. So I think celebrate is just it's just the word to me. It's just the word. So I like to say to honor him. Um, it's different for everybody. Like for me, it's just like, I'm going to honor him daily, which I do in my heart, you know, like yeah. he is my, my heart. And so much of my adult life was rhyming. Cause I was 22 when I met him 22 to 31, you know, that's a huge part of your adult life. And, and a lot of the things and a lot of my thoughts and ideas around surrounding relationships and marriage and love and trust and building and rebuilding because, you know, we had separated for a little bit, but building and rebuilding that love again, is just something I learned with him. So who I am now, as far as like what I, my thoughts are on love and life and death, he's such a big part of that. He, he's such a big influence on that. So I don't think I would ever not be able to honor him. I wake up every day with gratitude for him. And that's my first thought is like, I'm grateful for him. I write it daily in my gratitude journal. Like Ryman is always number one on my list. Um, and that just keeps me grounded. And it brings me back to the fact that 
everything that I have now, my clothes, the house, the girls, who I am as a person, it all has to do with his presence being in my life. So I will always honor him in that sense. And how did you honor him for his birthday and his one year? So for his birthday, you know, because of COVID and everything that's happening with social distancing, it was kind of nice. I'm not going to lie. It was kind of nice to, to not have the big crowd and not have the big group, you know, because that to me is just super overwhelming. And Ryman knew that about me, that I get super overwhelmed in a huge group, especially if the focus is on me, which kind of the focus has been on the girls and I. And not that it's bad, but it's also very overwhelming because I do feel all the love, but I also feel all of their sadness. So that's really been tough for me. But so yeah, so for his birthday, we just got a lemon cake from Etta Ray's, which he loved. There was a nugget over by our house in Vacaville that carried those cakes. So I brought it home one day for his birthday and he just loved it. Ever since then, we just always would have that cake every couple months in our house, like just rotating, just as we do eggs and milk and, you know, bread, we would have a lemon cake. So we did that for him over by the cemetery. And then for his one year, God, that was so, it was so hard, Amy. Like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And everybody kind of asked, they were like, well, do you want to do a Zoom call? Do you want to do, have people drive by your house? You know, and I'm like, no, I'm good. You know, and so I was like, "I'll, I'll see how I feel. So the morning of, I just, I cried. I cried all morning, dude, like all morning. I put my phone on do not disturb. There was probably a couple people that I had just text you, you know, I, I messaged you back. You were one of the first people to message me that morning. Mm. I was like, oh, I'll just like text her back. But after that, I kind of just put my phone on do not disturb and just spent the morning with the girls. And then in the afternoon, I was like thinking of all the family, all of his friends, coworkers. And it's not just me that lost him. And I, I've said this from the beginning, like you talk to anybody at the hospital that was there that day, you know, I was like, it's not just me who lost him, you know, it's his family, it's his friends, it's those ex-girlfriends, it's, you know, it's everybody. So, <laughs> which I do think about them, shout out, I hope you guys are okay. <laughs> so selfless. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do. But anyway, I know people think I'm so weird for saying that, but <laughs> but I hope they're okay. Um, but anyway, so yeah, you know, I, I was like, how can I still connect with everybody on this day to make sure that they know I'm still thinking of them? You know, it, it's not just me that I write these posts for on my Instagram. It's not just me that I write, you know, my heart on Google Docs and on things for my daughters to read later on. It's for the collective, you know, it's for everybody to realize that this is a very human experience and to treat it as anything else does a disservice to Ryman and does a disservice to ourselves, our feelings, who we are. So I put out there like, hey, if you want to send me a message, do a cheers message for Ryman, send it to me, email it to me, and then I'm going to have his cousin just kind of compile it into one whole thing and then just have that. So how has the girls been? How did they react to his first birthday without him here physically? And how did they react to his one year? Girl, (laughs) Zoe, (laughs) Zoe is the freaking, she's been like the light of this family, which I should probably be it because, you know, like adult, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) 
but Zoe is really so emotionally like aware of everything. Um, a couple days before his birthday, she she knew she knows that it's his birthday, so she just cried. You know, like she was already having a really weird and off week, so I was just like, all right, her body knows what's going on, and she came up to me and she just goes, "It's really unfair, mom. It's unfair. Like, why did it have to be my dad? You know?" And I'm over here like, okay, um. Um, I'm over here about to cry already. God. I'm like, um, you know, Zoe, I, I don't, I don't know, you know, and I, I just held her and cause I just didn't want to like, I didn't want to start throwing out cliches at her. You know, I didn't want to start saying like, you know, well, everything happens for a reason, stay strong, things like that. Because to a kid, the way that we react to their emotions is super important and being able to recognize that and talk to them on a level that isn't so wishy-washy will help them as they grow into an adult, which I wish that I had that. My parents, you know, didn't really do that so much with us. Talking about feelings just in Filipino culture, I think is just like non-existent. For sure. Yeah. But yeah, so after a, a minute of holding her, I just told her, we are allowed to feel sad and happy for daddy's birthday. And she looked up at me and I was like, we're allowed to laugh and to cry and to wish things were different and also accept what things are. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that doesn't mean that we're okay that he's gone. Doesn't make it okay that he's no longer with us. It just means that we're remembering him and that we remember we have each other. And she, oh, Amy, this, oh, she looked up at me and she goes, I'm so lucky that you're my mom. And I was like, Aww. okay, that's all right, thanks. And then we just started crying, you know, like both of us just started crying. And Aria, then she's really the comedic relief in our family. Like mm -hmm. I thought that I was pretty funny, but like she's the clown of the family, oh my like, gosh. for real. So she went over to our fridge, which has pictures of Ryman and pictures of the girls and us. And she just started singing, dude. She started singing her own song, which she looked like she was like in an R&B music video because she's like, walking up to the fridge and she's like, we miss you, daddy. We love you. She's like, we know you're not here anymore. You're gone forever. I'm like, <laughs> oh. Oh my gosh, Arya. Oh and then she was like, but we still love you. And then she came up to us, put a blanket on us and she was like, are you guys done crying? <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Well, Girl, so, yeah, we're done. I was going to say, so was y'all done? <laughs> yeah, and, I, and then we just started laughing, and then Zoe was like, oh, Aria. And then I was Aww. like, yeah. And then, you know, Zoe was just, she's so good at telling me her feelings. While she was young, we really, both Ryman and I really tried to instill in her, like, come to us, you know, whenever you want. And I'm, I don't harp on her either. I'm not like, hey, what are you doing? Hey, how are you feeling? Hey, what's going on? I don't do that, but, you know, I just like, hey, how are you? And she'll tell me. We just have that open line of communication. And again, Zoe's eight. So yeah. to hear this from an eight-year-old is crazy because teaching the duality of feelings for some adults, they can't even process that. Me telling her that now and to continue doing that, I want to make sure that she understands that having those, you can feel all the feels. Feel all the feels because that's, it's telling you something like our feelings are telling us something and that is to look inward and to try and figure out what it is that we need at that time. We and you were talking about this last week, but how Zoe was asking what candle number you guys should have on the cake for Ryman's birthday. Ah, yes. Okay. So his, so for his cake, right. I was like, oh, like we, we got this cake, blah, blah, blah. I told her what kind of cake it was. 
I asked her, what number do you think we should put on the cake? She was like, I don't know. She was like, because he's going to be 41 this year. But he was gone when he was like 40 was his last time that he was alive kind of type thing, you know, and I was just like, first of all, Zoe, don't be asking me these questions. <laughs> Second, what the heck? <laughs> How do why, why? Um, but then again, that's the emotional part of her, that inquisitive part of her that I think people forget that kids have. They think all these things. And as adults, I think we kind of just like dumb that down to like, they're just kids. They don't get it. She does. And so she was like, yeah, I think 40. That's why in my post, you know, I just said forever 40 because that's it. He lived up until he was 40 and he lived like, you know, this, all the trips to Disneyland, his snowboarding, being so active with just everything and everybody like. He really lived his life. So to honor 40 forever for him, to me, is also a part of how I'm going to honor him. I know this is kind of going back. How did you tell the girls when it happened on that day? How did they react? Aria was only four, but I told her, you know, I was like, daddy's at the hospital. Like something happened, something's wrong to, we need to go. We need to go. And this was, as I was telling her at tower and she's like, okay, okay. You know, and she was like, her little feet were just like walking, you know, she's like, okay. And so she didn't really understand, you know, like she didn't really understand. So we got to the hospital. They brought me to the back. You know, I left her outside with Raymond's mom and my friend Tatapana and I just was going back and forth. So I didn't really like get to be with her too much. Zoe was at school still. So I was like, someone needs to go and pick her up because I can't leave. So my father-in-law went to go pick her up, but they took forever. I don't know why it took so long, but it just seemed like forever. I was like, oh my gosh, where, are, where is my daughter? Like, where is Zoe? So it was a very dramatic scene. <laughs> like if you can picture it, you know, like we're in this waiting room and Zoe's walking down the hall to me. I open the door and I'm like, oh gosh. And Aria comes running behind me and running up to Zoe. And she was like, something's wrong with daddy. Something's wrong with daddy. I don't think he's alive. And I was like, oh God. I was like, can someone get Aria? And she's four, okay. But also she was around the conversations that were happening. You know what I mean? So she was around the conversation. She hears it. So I was like, okay, someone needs to get her. So I pulled Zoe aside and we were like right by the water fountains. I remember, you know, and I kneel down and I say, Zoe, you know, something happened to daddy at work and they're doing what they can. But I just want you to know that, you know, it, it's, it's going to be hard these next couple minutes that we don't know what's going on. And she just looked at me and she was like, okay, okay, mom. Okay. And then that was it. Like, I honestly, after that, I don't remember it's so hard to piece together what happened after that because Zoe came. That's when the doctor came out and told us, I have bad news. Like all he had to say was I have bad news and that's it. I faded in the background. Everybody else that was there, they were like, you know, his, his family is all doctors and nurses and, you know, medical. As I was backing up, they were coming forward asking them the doctors all the questions can you do this procedure can you do this can you do that and I just was like oh my gosh you know and, and that's actually when I went out to the courtyard and that's when I got your text so that was like the initial right but then when it was finally time to say goodbye to him that was crazy um it was so hard to process for me because I'm a nursing student right so I've seen all the codes I've seen post-mortem care I've seen all of it so I don't know. I just was so not responsive to what was going on because I'm like, oh my gosh, it's actually my husband. Like it's, it's Ryman. Like what the heck? Someone asked me like, who do you want to come in? And I go, okay, like let, let's bring the girls in. So I had them at the curtain. I bent down and I told them well, we have to say goodbye. Like 
we have to say goodbye to daddy and we have to say thank you to daddy for everything that oh my god i'm gonna cry <laughs> um but we have to you know say thank you to to him for everything that he did for us and so he was like she started tearing up and she was just like okay mom and aria over her head doesn't even know she just has this picture that she drew she's like i want to show daddy my drawing and i want to show him this and okay like let's go and so we went on the bed i put them on the bed you know and zoe's like holding his hand i'm holding his hand aria grabs his hand and i'm over here like fumbling with my phone like i ain't gotta get this picture <laughs> gotta, get, gotta get this picture real quick because that was brandon he always took like he had yeah, he did you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. he has the hand pictures from when, like, his Lola passed, his Lola. But also, he just always takes pictures. So uh, that was, like, my first, like, I took my picture. You know, I was like, oh, man, that's so good. Like, the lighting, the sun was setting. It was super dramatic. <laughs> was dramatic. You know, like, dramatic. <laughs> I was like, what kind of movie, you know? And I was like, oh, my God. You know, and as I took the picture, the nurse came in with the doctor and they were like, it was such a cringy moment for me because we were having like this beautiful moment and they were like, oh, call the time of death. And then they called the time and I was just like, cool. Jeez. And that's all I really remember doing, you know, and we we came home and that was it. I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah, that's insane. Did the girls automatically know that this date is their dad's one year or did you have to remind them and how did they honor him? Zoe says that her dad's birthday is the hardest thing. Like she was like, I think I feel more sad about dad's birthday. And then I thought about him like, you know what? The dates don't matter Mm -hmm. because as soon as it happened, I was jumbled, Amy. Like my days were messed up. My times were jacked up. Like I had grief brain. Like people talk about pregnancy brain and burnout brain or whatever it is, you know, but grief brain is so totally real. Like my days and times were just all jacked up. That's why I said I I had a post talking about time and how it doesn't matter because I'll always still feel it. You know, I, I, that carries on with me every day this past year. You know, there wasn't a day that I didn't think about it or a day I didn't relive those moments. But I did kind of bring up that like, oh yeah, it's been a year, you know, like it happened on May 6th. And Zoe was just like, yeah, I know. And when we visited him, we actually visited him on the 5th because the 5th was such a good memory day for us. He was not feeling anything, any symptoms or anything like that. He was good playing with the girls. We were watching the Avengers. We were hanging out on the couch. So to go and see him on that day where I have those good memories of us in that last year, it was really comforting for me. And I think experiencing that and then experiencing the next morning of just letting my tears and letting my loud, ugly cries and (sighs) quiet, ugly cries out, (laughs) like um, letting myself feel all that was good, you know, and, and the girls heard, obviously, but I wasn't like, comfort me, comfort me, you know, I was just like, you know, I would wipe my tears, and I'm like, you know, I'm just crying because I, I miss daddy, you know, like, I miss him, and I miss that, and they're like, it's okay, mom, like, we know. So crazy how it went so fast, because, yeah, yeah like, on the 4th, I saw you, and you were literally just talking about, Ryman's so excited for you guys' wedding. It like, was so excited, girl, yeah. like, she's a planner, oh man, I can't <laughs> wait to go to that one, and I was like, I know. <laughs> Like, literally, we were just talking about Ryman, how excited he was, and I was asking about you guys, and then two days later, later, it was just like, what? A week 
after his birthday and honestly like when you say that other people are grieving too yeah. is like for me it was a wake-up call he invited me to his birthday he told yeah. me about his birthday and it was like man I have I have a work event but I'll try to like come after when that happened it was a wake-up call for me to be like I can't be in this position anymore I can't take a work day and a work event over somebody's celebration because life is way too short yeah and it's just kind of crazy how sometimes something tragic happens for something to really hit you and for something to make you realize what you need to do he and if i could say real quick he was so excited that like he's like oh i <laughs> i text amy and i'm like okay you know he's like yeah oh i know God. she's your friend but like you text too i'm like do you guys text? He always be do responding you? to my stories <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, do you? Oh, that's great, Ryman. I'm so, so happy funny. for you. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. He's like, I don't know why Matt didn't ask me to be a groomsman. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> You're so stupid. Like, I know. Up. It was honestly yeah, so no. hard. You know, when you have a list of people you invite to the wedding, and obviously it had Erica and Ryman. It was oh. so, I think I told you, it was so, so hard for me yeah. to remove Ryman's name. I was like yeah. crying to Matt. I'm like, uh, I'm not ready to be like, no, Ryman's not going to be there. You know, it's it's crazy. And that just shows his impact. It's like, I know you guys had me bawling at your wedding. Like, I really tried not to. I was like, ah, this is their big day. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to cry. I'm not gonna. And then we're in the church and they were like, you know, and then they announced, they say the name by name. I'm like, y'all can't just put it collectively. You didn't just want to do a collective thing. You had to list yeah. everybody's name. Honoring, All right, cool. Honoring. Cool. Have to honor. Yeah, no, and it was fine. Like, it was just fine. I was just, like, cracking up to myself. But it was so beautiful. Like, the way you guys, the way you guys honored them. Yeah, I think that was definitely, that's definitely important for us. Yeah, I really love that, too, at your guys' wedding, where you guys had, like, the pictures and everything. That was really beautiful, like, how you guys had that all set up. Yeah, that was definitely a big part that we really paid attention to. So, we talked about grief brain. How do you, how would you explain the grief process, the grieving process? It's all everybody's own, right? Everybody deals with their grief in different ways. They deal with it head on. Like, this is what I need to do. I'm going to go to therapy. I'm going to write every day and I'm going to do this every day and I'm going to be fine. Whereas mine was, so I'm going to schedule a vacation. I'm going to go here for a weekend, a week. And then two weeks later, I'm going to go on another vacation. So this is my avoidant way of dealing the girls and I were literally never home on a weekend. You could never catch us on a weekend. And if you did, it would be because we're on a vacation somewhere together. <laughs> so I just, I avoided everything, you know? So there's people that will go through the shock of things first. You know, I feel like it's, it's a shock. And then there's the questions that arise, like, why did this happen? How could this have happened? Why me? Why us? Why this? Like, all of the whys, who, what, where, why questions come out. And once you get those answers, nobody can give you those answers but yourself. Everyone can give you a book, for example, and like, hey, this is a book you should read because this is what the process is like. There's so many resources out there, Amy. Like, it's crazy the amount of resources that are there for these things. And I got all of them. I got all the books. I did crystals. I got Reiki healing. I got massage therapy. I got regular therapy. I got alcohol. I got yeah. Everything. You did, girl. You got alcohol. <laughs> I got, yeah, I'm, just, I'm just saying. Um, right now, for all of you that are listening, I haven't drank for two days. <laughs> just two yesterday days and today, and we're fine. It's just me, but. <laughs> But, but, you know, like, like, it's a process that is so all your own, like you can have all these resources and you can have all these people talking to you and telling you how you should deal with it. But 
ultimately you have to put forth that healing. You yourself have to be like, okay, how am I going to move through this grief? Because every day that was a question for me, like, how am I going to move through today? Okay, I'm going to do some yoga. Okay, I'm going to buy hella expensive chocolate and then cry. I'm also going to have like four shots of whiskey. Everybody differs. And for me, my process was I cried, I screamed, I was hurt, and I wrote. That was my outlet. Writing was my outlet. So all of my posts and all of my Google Doc journals, that's kind of where it was for me. So everybody just has to find their own process because there is no right way to grieve. And there's no wrong way to grieve either. I think just be respectful of the space and ask if they need anything, you know, which I'm very like, yeah, don't help me. I don't need your help because I'm an independent woman. But you know, but but people do help and people do sweet things. Yeah. And there's no time limit to grief either. You know, like I said a little bit ago, like Mm -hmm. time doesn't matter when it comes to this. There's no timeline, though I did give myself a timeline. Like in the beginning, I was like, oh man, (laughs) one year, as soon as that one year hits, I'm going to be good. Erica's going to be healed up, you know, and we're going to, we're going to take on the world. Been a year and I'm like sitting on my couch, like, so am I going to cry today or am I going to make a pizza? How about both? I cried and made a (laughs) pizza. (laughs) Yeah. And so like with COVID and everything happening, it was actually just like such a, you know, quote unquote blessing in disguise because it made me have to sit at home with the girls. Like this is the longest we've been home. So we had to stay home. I had to face whatever it was here in the house that I was avoiding. So, you know, I went through his closet. That was really hard. You know, I went through the garage. That was like another really hard thing because he has so much stuff. What did you guys end up doing with his stuff? I kept a lot of his jerseys, all 50 or 60 of his white t-shirts I discarded because that's hella white (laughs) t-shirts. Why do you need so many? Um, don't, don't hit on his swag <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> like you really don't um and then like all of his concert tees or like things like that I, I kept so I put it all in in a box and I think I'm going to keep them until the girls decide what they want to do with it there's been a lot of ideas thrown out there of like making a bear like a stuffed animal for him a pillowcase a tote bag, you know, like all these oh, things that, cute. yeah, that they could possibly have. So, so I think for the kids in remembering Ryman and having things that were his and then allowing them to choose how they're going to keep these things and how they're going to use these things is important to me because I'm a, I'm a pretty sentimental person when it comes to, to things. I like having those around. So for the girls, I feel like I want to give them the freedom to, to choose oh. how they want to do it. Both of them have a daddy shirt right now. Zoe's had it since the night he passed, you know, and Aria had it about the same time also. So they sleep with it every night. Are there any everyday routines that you guys do to remember Ryman and to honor Ryman or? I wish I could say I'm a good widow and I do have something like that. <laughs> you know? Well, that's so because much to think about while you're honestly, still grieving too. A ritual is so tough remembering yeah. to brush my teeth sometimes in the morning before I get up and stuff. <laughs> so, so a, a daily ritual as far as like remembering Ryman or taking time for that is really hard because you know what he's still a part of our everyday every second conversation you know there'll be like times where we'll just be sitting around they're like but don't you remember mm-hmm. dad did that or remember when daddy did that you know so while we don't have a set thing of like, okay, we're going to sit here and we're going to talk about dad for five minutes. We don't have anything set like that. It just, we go through our day and he comes up in our conversation. We have a lot of things in the house that are still very much like in honor of him. 
Um, so the Las Vegas Raiders, you know, have their stadium in Las Vegas. We got him a legacy brick there. Oh, so, you know, so whenever sweet. we go, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So if ever we go out there, we'll be able to see that. And that'll be mm -hmm. something that will be there for them. So they sent us a replica of it. Yes. So we have that here. Yeah, it's pretty tight. And, you know, like we have the pictures and Zoe, there's a pair of shoes that he told her was his favorite. So she was like, we have to keep those, mom. Like those are the shoes that dad used to tell me was his favorite. Oh my gosh. I remember when we had our Friendsgiving dinner. At first I asked Salea to step on my back. And then I was like, Salea, you too yeah. light. You're too gentle. So I was like, Zoe, can you step on, like, stomp on my back? And then Zoe goes, oh, I used to do this for my dad. And I was like, oh, my gosh. That's what it reminded me of when you were like, he comes up in our everyday lives somehow. Yeah, and she does that, you know, like, if she's doing something, she'll yeah. totally say that. And it, I love that because it, it's so nice to hear them thinking of the memories that went, that they laughed about, that they, you know, had with him because it's all good. For any of the family traditions or celebrations, how have you kind of kept up yeah. with that this past year? And how do you celebrate those traditions or family holidays now? I'm not going to lie. I'm just like, you know, I can't do it. But that also got me out of a lot going to a lot of things. But it's not because I didn't want to celebrate with them. It's because you can feel the presence of him not being there. They have a cousin Christmas that happens every year. And I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't go. You know, I just felt like it was going to be too much for me. And at that time, because it was in December, already all of those feelings of the holidays and everything that was coming up was just like, it was too heavy for me. At first, I felt selfish in not being there because then I felt like I wasn't there for the family. But then also it's like, I'm not going to drag my mental health into this and do something that I don't feel right with just to please the math. So I, I just was gentle with myself during those times. And I said, like, if I felt like it, then I would go. And if not, then, you know, let me catch you at another time. So I, I think setting those kind of boundaries are really important. So with Christmas and Thanksgiving, you know, I really kept it close. So I just like went to see his family, you know, like his parents, my in-laws and my parents. And then, you know, of course, I, I came to Friendsgiving, which I was super sweet of you guys, you know, to like invite us. So that was also another nice change from having to keep up with those celebrations. I think putting in a new routine and new yeah. something new mm -hmm. helped us. Like, honestly, going to that helped reset me for mm -hmm. Christmas because it was like, OK, I'm around other people, new people. The girls are around new people. This is good. And then when it came to Christmas in being overwhelmed again with like the amount of people. It was just a nice buffer. It, I think the yeah. year of first, people say is the hardest, but honestly, I floated through because I was trying not to think about it too much. But you feel his presence is gone. Like, and so I'm trying to be super mindful of how they're gonna have to deal with their grief and how they're gonna celebrate or like, you know, how they're gonna honor him mm -hmm. later on. That's been super heavy on my mind, how they're gonna process through the complexity of their own healing and how I'm going to try really, really hard not to project any of my healing practices on them, but to allow them to trust themselves and to trust their own hearts and their way of, of doing it. Because each stage of their life is going to be so hard for them. They're going to go through promotion, graduation, maybe getting married, maybe, you know, all these things that everybody else has, but they're not going to be able to have that. So again, like it's super like thinking too far ahead of time, but I was like, oh man, like for Zoe's wedding, it'd be nice because she has hecka 
both of them have hella godparents. Oh man, it'd be really good if the godfathers went and danced with her for the father-daughter dance. Oh, yeah. How could I incorporate, you know, because I have a video of Ryman dancing with Zoe when she was a baby. She was just born and he was like dancing to her, two butterfly kisses <laughs> in our living room. And it was a video of him and her as a little baby because she had jaundice. So she had to have like a, like a light on her at all times. So he would hold her and carry her and he was yeah. dancing with her. That's so I'm so like, sweet. That would be really good to project. And then put Dang, your look at you yeah, so planning it already. <laughs> I know, Amy, you are rubbing off on me, oh girl. <laughs> you are rubbing, your planning skills are rubbing and thinking ahead. Hella ahead. <laughs> Hella oh ahead. Gosh. Who knows? Whatever, you know. But that's just one of the things that I really thought about. You know, I'm like, oh, gosh, I hope she doesn't want a debut or something like that. <laughs> Because that's like a whole nother thing. But yes, I just have to be mindful of how their process is going to be in healing through the rest of the years, through the rest of our lives. It's going to be a transition for me too. Like if one day someone will come into our lives and be that person for me, like how is that going to look too? And that's another topic that was brought up super early, the dating and the widow, dating a widow and being with, you know, so that kind of yeah. came up too. So Especially because you are so young. Yeah. A couple people have already asked me that and I'm like, you know, it's not really my top priority as with Ryman things weren't ever really planned so it's not like I'm gonna go start my eHarmony profile anytime soon right so girl they got apps now (laughs) I know (laughs) I know but the apps are for something else like I felt okay like this conversation shouldn't be happening on this podcast (laughs) if you want to hear that conversation you can go to the milk and cookie podcast for that one but for the sake of this one we'll we'll close it out with that Okay, I guess going back to the topic. (laughs) What are the top three things you learned about yourself based on what you went through this year? I learned that inappropriate humor is my go-to to deflect. And I don't know if I do it because I don't want people to feel uncomfortable, but I think it makes people feel even more uncomfortable. Because sometimes the things that I say, like, if you do not know me, can be looked at as, wow, she does not care. Or it's just, you know, it's a really dicey thing, right? So the people that actually know me and that have talked to me and have one-on-one with me, like, they know how I am and how surface level I can be, but also how deep I can get and also how I can just project so much of that humor. Because I don't want everybody to always feel sad for me because it is sad and we're allowed to be sad. But there's also so much more that I'm learning from this. So my humor is a way to kind of just lock that. But also that it's really nobody's responsibility to heal my heart, but my own. So that's like another thing I learned is that I can go to all the breakfasts, all the lunches, the dinners, the nights out. I can read a thousand books. I can journal for Instagram. I can write, you know, my heart out there. But doing that work, that grief work doesn't do anything for anybody if I'm not being true to myself in my healing process. So I've learned that like, as much as I try to look at the silver lining of things, I also need to be really real about the fact that I have to be real with myself and my healing. And I have to be mindful that I'm allowed to feel those things. And I shouldn't keep looking for other resources to help guide me through that because I already know myself and I know how to move through. 
So I think kind of learning to move at my own pace without regard and without shame of doing it on my own terms, because a lot of people will give you advice. I've encountered a lot of widows and a lot of people who their husbands died at an early age and they're still single or they remarried and they have kids again and they, you know, and everybody gives me advice and everybody gives me like these tidbits about it. But ultimately I make those decisions and I have to put myself in that healing process. So I've just learned that I can, that I love myself. I I learned that I really love myself enough to hold space for me, not for the sake of my children, but for the sake of me, because this is my life ultimately. And it's, it's all I have. I'm so proud of you. Like, that's all I could really say, you know, like your words always leave me speechless and everything that you've learned throughout the year and your strength is something that I admire. I know that a lot of people admire, a lot of people who don't always talk to you or know you will always text me and be like, oh my gosh, how is Erica so strong? And her strength and her humor is so admirable, you know? And I'm just like, yeah, like she's definitely one of a kind and that's hard to find. I feel like a lot of people, of course, if they haven't gone through it, they wouldn't know how to react. That's why when people say I can't imagine or I I, I wouldn't know what to do, I'm like, but you would. That happened to you, you would figure it out and you would have the support. Like I have a great support. I know who to go to for that. And I know who to go to when I need a laugh. It might be a different person than who I need to go to to give me some real talk. A lot of the people in my life right now provide so many different outlets for me to heal myself and allow me to be myself. So that's also another thing I learned was that people come as they are and you just have to accept that and you have to accept how their role in your life is going to play because in my own healing, I know who those people are that would be that support for me. Or if I'm trying to have a distraction, like I know who to go to for that. So just things like that, I think is what I love the most about this healing process that I'm going through right now is that I have so many different outlets and people to to lean on and for the girls to lean on too. Yeah. Yes. For sure. Is there anything that Ryman valued in life that you value now? I mean, with Ryman, he valued connection. You know, connection so much to like, he would check on random friends, you know, or he would have lunch with his bosses, his coworkers, his family and friends. His family and friends and coworkers were all just one collective family. Being in those, those times with them was super important to him. He genuinely always wanted to know how you were doing. He genuinely always wanted to know how the, how your family was doing. As I'm moving through this and I keep him in mind, I think about those things too. So when I ask family and friends how they're doing, I also ask about their own family and friends, which, you know, I, I did lightly before, but more so now I'm just like, so this is how it feels. This is how he must have felt. This gratitude of like knowing this person and not just, knowing that they like to go out and drink and that they like their whiskey ice over neat over you know whatever it's he knows about their family and he also knows about everybody's business <laughs> so, <laughs> <She's also>. so <laughs> um i'm saying girl when you wrote on your card like during your wedding and you were like oh and i know ryman's like reading over your shoulder like you nosy <laughs> Like, I was like, that's so true. That's true. He, he, would, he would be looking over my shoulder on that. So yeah, I think just the connections are important. The connections are what make life worth it all. 
those deep connections and not just like surface level stuff, but being in that with with people that you love and care about. This is really good insight. And I know that a lot of people listening can either relate in some way because they've lost someone or they are maybe currently grieving. So thank you for really talking about your feelings and getting real with us and not holding back and sharing your story. Thank you so much for asking me. I mean, I did a lot of talking, but... But it was so good. I really appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate you. How even closer we've gotten this past year, for sure. So what would you like to cheers to? Well, I would just like to cheers, first of all, to your podcast and how amazing it is. Mm. And also cheers to giving our hearts grace while we continue to experience love and life and loss. And uh, cheers to Ryman. Yes, cheers, Ryman. Cheers. And cheers to you, Erica, because you are one strong-ass woman, and it's Mother's Day soon. (laughs) Girl, I love you. I love you. Lots and lots and lots, even though you're so crazy sometimes. (laughs) Okay, girl, but you know, it's just, I'm going through something. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for that. Oh my god. If you knew me this past year, that was been my catchphrase to get out of anything and everything that I would yeah. say that was a pocket, it would be I'm going through something. <laughs> <laughs> Before we end this episode, I really just want to thank Erica again for providing us so much heartfelt insight on her own grieving process. I know that it's a tough topic to talk about. So thank you for opening up your heart to us and letting us into a feeling that is super, super personal. For those of you listening, I hope that you're leaving this episode knowing that wherever you are in your grieving process and however you're honoring or celebrating your lost loved one, there is no right or wrong answer. There is no time limit. Do what you feel like doing. But most importantly, please, please, please take care of yourself. Be kind to yourself and know that people are there to help if you need it. Again, this episode was specifically for Ryman's one year and Erica talking about how she celebrated or honored him throughout this year. But really, this is an honor of everyone that we've lost throughout our lives. May you rest in peace and know that we love and miss you every single day. Thank you again for joining me. Until the next episode, please show me some love by subscribing to this podcast and follow me on Instagram at Celebrate with Amy. Also, take a minute to rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Sending you all the love and confetti.